Hello, everybody. Welcome into Sports Day Insider from the Dallas Morning News. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by David Moore. Hello, David. Good morning, Kevin. Wow, that's that, that's the kind of day, that's the kind of good morning that Fred Rogers would give, right? <laughs> I like that. You're, you're it's a, a wonderful day in the neighborhood. That's right. You're a Fred Rogers kind of guy. And also joining us today, our old pal, Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. How's it going? Yellow. That's, that, that was unusually upbeat for him, though, actually. Yeah, it really was. It really was. I don't know what's going on over there. Obviously, he's at his puppy uppers this morning, so I'm, I'm glad to see that. I'm, I'm sure we'll hear his puppy before this podcast is done, too. Yeah. <laughs> that dog, you can put that dog on top of a fire truck and get through any intersection. I mean, my gosh, that was the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, wow. Okay. Maybe the wailing coming out of the NFL offices now with this uh, John Gruden. Uh, yeah, speaking episode. of crazy, John Gruden has, has just blown up his career. Any career he was thinking about having anyway. He's not going back to TV after this. Uh, and he's not going to be working in the NFL anymore. What I love, and I saw some people saying, well, you think this means he'll go to college? Really? This is <laughs> off of this episode. He's going to go to college and go into the homes of young people and recruit them and and mold and shape some young men. Oh my gosh, that's just the same. I heard the same thing last week about Urban Meyer. People saying, "Oh yeah, that's it's absurd." What, someone tweeting, oh, yeah, "He's going back want. to college." Oh yeah, that's that's the sort of example we want on our college campuses. <laughs> People are just crazy. Yeah. So anyway, John Gruden, if you haven't heard that already, John Gruden uh, authored a few emails uh, back in uh, the uh, in the two, early 2000s in which he disparaged, I don't, I don't know, pretty much everybody. Uh, <laughs> and uh, anybody he had a shot at, he took a shot at. Uh, and, and what I'm wondering are, are, is two things. First of all, why would anybody put that kind of stuff in an email? Uh, how stupid is that? And secondly, if he's putting it in an email, What's he's just saying and is just conversation with people? No question. I mean, people, even even when they feel they're in a circle of trust on the email, you're still going to say things in person that you would be cautious or guarded against saying in an email or a text thread, one would think. Um, and, and again, that, and it's not just him. It's the fact he was communicating with people in positions of power in the NFL. Now, when he made these comments, he was at ESPN. Um, and he was not affiliated with the league. But certainly, um, it, it speaks to what so many, uh, the frustrations that so many people have felt with institutional racism, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. And these weren't just racist comments. They were misogynistic um, they were bigoted along many different lines, uh, as far as LGBTQ, um, just across the board. I mean, just slamming anyone who was different and feeling it's okay to take latitude and, and use them as a punching bag or a joke or, or to use in disparaging terms. And th the fact that it was not only Gruden, but there were others in NFL positions of hire hiring people of making significant decisions in the NFL that were in on this email network uh, speaks directly to, uh, you know, the, the difficulty in dismantling systemic racism within an institutional setting. 
I don't think there's any question about it. I, I wouldn't expect that this is, I would expect this is just the first domino to fall here. We'll, we'll see what happens. And, and if the league tries to make, uh, you know, uh, Gruden a scapegoat here and, uh, and he takes the fall for everyone else. I, I well, the other side of this too, is, you know, the reason these were all available was because it was part of the Washington football team investigation, uh, into, uh, sexual harassment on the job with Daniel Snyder and the culture that he put in place in the organization. Uh, so there's still information from all of those emails, Daniel Snyder. And now people are saying, okay, we, we've seen about Gruden. Do, do you expect us to believe that it only stops there, <laughs> that it doesn't go higher? Uh, why are you releasing uh, this on him and throwing him out there when certainly what you have on Daniel Snyder and others in the organization is worse? Absolutely. Well, let's, let's take this uh, development and, and, uh, and pull it over to see what, how it reflects on the, the Cowboys uh, and from the standpoint of their schedule, because the Raiders were on the Cowboys schedule, as we know. Uh, and uh, as, as this season has developed, there's been a, a, a lot of strange things happen. Uh, I think one of the strangest from a football standpoint being that the, the Chiefs have struggled so much, they're two and three, um, and uh, uh, what uh, and then the, that the Arizona Cardinals are playing so well, they're five and zero. Oh, um, but the teams in front of the Cowboys at this point are not doing so well. Evan, don't don't you have a, a little reading on the schedule there, uh, the Cowboys schedule and the remaining twelve games? People don't know this about Evan. He goes through the NFL schedule every week and updates update. it on Tuesday mornings to get trends. Uh, to see who's up, who's down. He likes his arrows pointing in the proper direction before this podcast. Definitely all about arrows. Um, I, no, I, I mean, I think we uh, we went through this um, this morning that you know they've got they've got four games remaining against teams with with winning records. Um, and who are, who are those four teams? Evan? I was I was going to say that if you didn't interrupt <laughs> me, Kevin. Uh, the next one being the the, the Denver Broncos. Um, who are three and two, and they've lost two in a row. After that, it's the Raiders, who are currently three and two, have lost two in a row and a head coach. Uh, and then in December, they've got the Saints at three and two and Arizona at five and oh. With, with, with the Arizona game, I mean, I, I think as we sit here, you very possibly could be looking at that Arizona game as, as, a, uh, as a showdown either for home field advantage in, throughout the NFC, the NFC playoffs or certainly um, for for home field advantage, at least for a round. Yeah, that, that the thing about this to me is that the the Cowboys are four and one, and they've already played the toughest part of their schedule. Uh, at, le- at least the way it looks now. Now we're not saying that the Cowboys are going to just run the table from here. They may, but I, I'm not saying they're going to do that. I'm no, I think you were saying that. I think you're you're indicating well, that you feel I'm that not, that's going to happen. I, I, so I, I so tell say, us right now, what, what is this team going to go? How, well, how are I, you? I, I don't want to just, you know, give Evan script, but would you let me talk here? And I'll tell you what I think we're going to do. <laughs> David. Uh, all right. I believe that. I was going to say something nice about you, David, but I take it back. <laughs> uh, no, that David, you and I were the only ones on, on the Dallas Morning News vaunted uh, panel of experts to, to pick the, uh, the Cowboys to go as much as 10 and 7. I, I think we had guys on the pa- people on the panel who picked them to have a losing season. Uh, yes, which is uh, why you put vaunted in, in air quotes. Yes, exactly. Vaunted panel. Uh, so, 
And, and I, I got to tell you, and I, and I wrote this after the first, oh, I don't know, two games, and I thought 10 and 7 looked like the floor. Uh, I, I, I really have a hard time seeing the Cowboys uh, losing more than four games in the rest of this schedule. I mean, I know that there's always a possibility of stumbling along the way and things happen and, and you know, injuries happen and all of that. But, let, uh, but let's just, from a, purely from a standpoint of looking how the Cowboys match up against the teams on the rest of their schedule, I mean, who is it that you see them losing to? Uh, uh, I think, obviously, Arizona's playing very well. I would never dismiss the Chiefs. You know, they they have such firepower. They can, they can just go off at any minute. I think we've seen with the Cowboys defense that, yes, they have a lot of takeaways, but they also give up big chunk plays. And that's what the Chiefs are all about, uh, especially with Tyreek Hill and, and, and Kelsey, is that they, they have the capacity to have great chunk plays. So, yes, those are, those are two games right there that I could easily see the Cowboys losing. Uh, I'm struggling to come up. With two more, I, I just I don't see in in the division. Washington has really struggled with its defense. That was going to be its strong point. That has not turned out to be the case. And, and in fact, Washington has had one of the worst defenses in the NFL so far. At what point do they put this together? I mean, we're, we're it's not a new defense. It's not like the Cowboys who hired a new defensive coordinator and they're and they're trying to get things going and they kind of are building in a certain direction, you would expect that to really improve over the course of the season. When you when you went into the season with a defense that was expected to be the, the at least the front seven, the NFL's best, and that hasn't even come close to happening, I think you have to start asking questions. Well, and while you said all this, I also get the sense you're not really sold on Arizona either, right? No. I mean, look, all right. <laughs> I know Cliff Kingsbury. I saw Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury coach at Texas Tech. You know, I have a, I have the most difficult. I can't imagine what the people in Lubbock are thinking. It's like, what happened to this guy? You know, where was this when you were here? When you had Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, where was all of this? I mean, what's going on? This is just crazy to me. So if Evan and help me on this, reading between the lines here, it sounds to me as if you want to revise your picks on the Cowboys season from eleven and six to sixteen and one. <laughs> Is that a proper read? That's what I'm. That's what I'm getting from this conversation. I'm going to say the Cowboys go thirteen and four. So and I think. I, I so think finding I, so finding those three other losses weren't that hard, all things considered. Well, I'm giving you, I'm giving a, a one where you just fall apart. I'm just saying, as I said, I'm saying that if you look at the individual matchups of each of these games, you don't see one where it's like, oh, wow, no way they win that. No way. You know, where, where's the no way game? Not right schedule? now. I mean, they don't, they don't have Green Bay on the schedule. Um, they don't, the, the Arizona game is at home. Uh, they don't have the Rams on the schedule. Um, so, you know, right now, based on where the NFC stands, they've got they they've got a relatively easy schedule. Which I, I five games in, it's it's hard to pronounce that as as a definitive. But you look at you look at the teams out there, and there's just not there's not a lot of great football being played, particularly in this in in this conference. And Seattle, another team that's always in the mix when you talk playoffs, just lost their quarterback for probably six to seven weeks. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and they weren't playing well anyway. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they were struggling. But but again, you would expect them to be in the conversation and write themselves, except that division is just so fierce. I mean, they're going to knock each other off here and there. But now now you kind of put them to the side. So now you look at the NFC. It's uh, Arizona, despite of uh, uh, Kevin's inherent bias against them. Um, you, <laughs> you know, maybe the Cliff Kingsbury Rams, the, <laughs> Rams yeah, Packers, Cliff and Cowboys. Kingsbury is the one – College coach who wasn't very good, who was made for the NFL. You know, maybe just the opposite. Everybody, maybe he's a maybe he's the reverse of Nick Saban and Urban Meyer and, <laughs> and every other you know great college coach except for Jimmy Johnson, basically, who was able to do both. You know, maybe that's what he is. I don't know. Maybe he was always better off being a a, a professional coach. And 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 you know, some of that's just about re- recruiting. But well, and I, I think he yeah he turns the defense over to his defensive coordinator, and they have some really good players in place there that they do. Uh, the, the, Arizona has a have in Lubbock. Yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, Arizona should not be taken line. They have a really good defense, and of course, they got Kyler Murray on offense, and they're 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 really good, and that's going to be a, a a great game. Uh, and I know that it, it, I, I hate it when people talk about oh you're you're jinxing the Cowboys now. Let, let's not. <laughs> Let's not get into mystical things, okay? Let's just talk about what the facts are. So, Evan, I assume you have them going fifteen and two. Then, or is that? Are you? Are I mean, you I've, up in I've, this? I've got them. I've got them either ending with four or five losses. You know, I, I think that for lack of a better, for lack of a better term, I I could see either you know one of these next three games as a trap game. Um, on the road twice at New England and, and Minnesota, uh, and then home against the Broncos. I, I, I could just see one of those games being a trap game. The other possibility for me is I, I still – I know the Cowboys have, 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 per our conversation, the Cowboys have rolled off an undefeated division, interdivisional season in the past few years. But I still think, you know, you meet those teams twice every year, the chances of losing at least one game in the division just – just happen, you know. They've got they've got Washington and the Giants back to back on the road in the middle of December. So, four of their last five games are in the division. Yeah, I mean they they don't have a division game for months here coming up after after ripping off these two wins. Yeah, Arizona is the only breakup in the la- in December or January that is a, a non divisional game. Yeah, this is uh, it, it. It all sets up pretty well for the Cowboys, I, I, and I think the one thing that uh, we we should look at here. I don't know, and Dave, we hadn't talked about the win over the Giants at all, but I thought it was very interesting what Dak Prescott said after the game. I, I can't believe he was so candid about all of that and about how he felt going into the game that, yes, I have been thinking about this. It's the anniversary yeah. of my injury, and, yeah, I do think that probably I had some of the reason why I started so slow. You know, I mean, when is the last time you had it? heard a player you know, admit something like that? And, you know, Especially an elite athlete who, who – Part of his persona is always, I don't let anything around me bother me. I set myself apart. And then he actually did acknowledge it coming out of the game. It's like, well, yeah, uh, you know, I, I said I was downplaying this and it wasn't part of it, but it had to be, right? Yeah, I did. You know, I don't want to take anything away from Dak because I think he has, uh, he's talked kind of openly about mental health issues. And I think understanding how you're feeling is, is a mental health issue, even if it's not a problem. Um, but the other thing is it's easier to say, listen, I was dealing with this early in the game when you're coming off a win rather than if, if, if you had lost and played poorly. 
So yeah, that's 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 for sure. But I want to say this before we move on from our Cowboys because we need to talk about some other stuff too. Uh, but you know, uh, there there are athletes that you come across that you just can't help not pull for. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not saying I'm a homer or any of that kind of stuff. I was I'll be the first to say I was pulling for Joey Gallo for that ball to go out. Uh, in the, the, his last at bat for the Yankees, you know, and he's a good guy and, he, and he's dealing, I think he deals with some things and, and, and I wanted him to do well. And how could you not like Dak Prescott? How could this fan base not like Dak Prescott now? They're, they're always, he's always had detractors, always had people. All I ever get from emails is from people saying, Oh, he's not good enough. He's not this. He's not that. He's everything you want in a quarterback. I mean, I, there are guys out there who are better than him. Josh Allen's more talented. Justin Herbert's probably more talented, you know. Uh, but for what he brings to the team as a as a leader and a player and everything else he's doing, and as a person, I just don't know what more you could want. So, anyway, that's, that's – I cannot opinion. believe we, we made it through 15 minutes of Cowboy talk and did not talk about the Cowboys having perhaps the most exciting player in the NFL in Trevon Diggs. Well, we talking about him all the time. I know, but it, 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 how how much fun is it to watch an elite defensive back make plays? Well, you know, the crowd. He had you know he had a chance for two interceptions before he got the one when he jumped up on the sidelines where he caught it on the sidelines and he jumped up and held his fingers like six inches apart like I was that close. It's yeah. uh, the the interaction with the crowd and, and watch the sidelines when he's out there too and has a chance to make a play. These are the sort of things you can never anticipate. When when coaches and players talk about chemistry and building chemistry, it's these sort of things you can never really put in the equation until they happen. It's happening with Diggs. It's happened with what Micah Parsons has brought to the defensive side of the ball. It's happening offensively. You're, you're seeing Elliott run and infuse this team a way that he did back in 2016. Dax at certainly a different level. Uh, that This has all fallen into place for them so far. But unlike you two, I'm not going to sit here and say they're not going to lose another game. <laughs> Thanks for twisting our words, David. Uh, oh, but, but very quickly, given this division, they've already won four games. Really, they only need four more wins to win the division, right? I mean, no, seven I wins think, got it last year. I think I think six wins would do it. Frankly, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna write that here. Uh, if they if they win if they win these next three games, I'm gonna say they've clinched the division. Uh, all right, let's let's move over to the. Uh, um, to the, to the Rangers, who uh, had a little uh, exit interviews last week and uh, talked about a few things. We got to go out and see the uh, the new digs, uh, the inside. We've, we've been, I've been to the press box, uh, and that's about it. I hadn't been uh, in the innards of uh, Globe Life Field, and so they took us on a tour around there. they got a barbershop in there. I, I tried to get Evan to sit in the chair so we could get a picture, uh, you know, photo op with Evan in the barber chair down there, but he, he wouldn't go for it. No, I would not. No. no. Uh, I, I was more taken by John Daniels describing the water treatment room as an attempt to get it more spa-like. Um, but the bottom line is that that clubhouse and all of that, that is going to be a really nice asset in luring free agents here with one caveat. And that caveat okay. being that they still pay the most money for the free agent. Um, yeah. It, it's all nice, but... But a nice a nice kitchen's not going to win you players. No. Um, a nice barbershop's not going to win you players. 
Yeah, it's like uh, Chris Young said uh, during the uh, the uh, interviews, and then afterwards, I just kind of went over it with him some more to make sure I heard that right. He said ninety percent of it is money when you're trying to attract free agents. So that leaves you ten percent uh, considerations of other things, where where it is that you're living, and, and the rest of it. Well, one of the things that he said to me, which I thought was interesting as well, was that you know. Uh, he kind of referred to the Mavericks uh, problems attracting uh, free agents over the years. And he said, you know, it's just, you know, a lot of these players, they want to live on the coast, right? They want to live in a, a major, a, a super big media market. He said, that's not the case with baseball players. They love living here. And and that's, and that's true. They, they, they do. We've known that for, for decades, for whatever reason, baseball players love Arlington. I'm not saying I've got anything against Arlington. I'm just saying they love living in the area. So, uh, uh, Evan, I've, I've written a column for tomorrow for Wednesday, uh, and Evan is going to graciously read that for me to make sure I have not libeled myself or the newspaper. Uh, in fact, he's going to read it aloud on this podcast, Evan, (laughs) a dramatic reading. You know, we don't like to have make Evan read in public. It's very it's kind of embarrassing, you know. So we points out some that. things with yes, better he, left unsaid. He struggles with a lot of that stuff. Well, well, Kevin, what are you going to tell the world? Well, what I'm going to tell them is that Evan, I went over all the teams uh, that were on the uh, that the Rangers uh, would be competing against for one of these four or five shorts. However, you want to characterize the number of shortstops who are available, the big time shortstops who are available. Uh, I, you know, the, John Daniels made it extremely clear. As a matter of fact, I think he was sending a message that we're willing to pay whatever the, the market is. If the market is, he didn't come up with these numbers, but the market for, let's say, Carlos Correa is probably going to be 10 years, 300 million. Uh, that's, that's an exorbitant sum to be paying anybody. How many clubs do you think have the wherewithal to do that and have the need for a player of that caliber? Look, it's, um, you know, it's a half dozen. You know, it's a half dozen that have the the wherewithal, and it's probably less than that that have the need. Uh, so, I think or the desire. I don't think Javier Baez is going to be in the in the mix for the Rangers. Um, but take him out, and you've got four elite shortstops because I think people consider Semyon a shortstop, and there's going to be somebody who doesn't wind up with a contending team. Um, it's just the way it's going to be. Uh, and there might be two, because one of the other teams that's looking for for a shortstop is is Detroit. Detroit's got money, uh, but they were a losing team last year. And, you know, if, if, so it may put the Rangers on the same footing as, as, as the Tigers. And um, if that's the case, again, they've got to come in in a different manner than they have for the last six years even when they've targeted big free agents in the last six years, they have come in woefully short on the market and hope to negotiate up a little bit. That's not how it's going to work. You've got to be right at the top of the market from the start. Yeah. You know, and I think this is interesting because, you know, we keep talking about why would someone want to come here? And I think it's important to look at, well, well, what are their options? What are these players options when it comes to this? Look, you've got, you got organizations that we we know of. You know the Yankees would always be a consideration, right? They they need to have a shortstop. Well, uh, you know uh, Bob Nightingale came out with a story the other uh, for USA Today just the other day saying that the Yankees 
are internally saying that, no, they don't want to do that. They, they probably want to go for an Andrelton Simmons type of guy who could hold it down for a couple of years until one of their top prospects is ready at, at shortstop. And plus they're, they're going to have to pay, you know, uh, Aaron judge here pretty soon. So uh, in, in the old days with George Steinbrenner, I think this was a, be a no brainer. These kind of shortstops were available. He's going to get one of them. I don't think that the, that his son plays the same way. Uh, so, the, so the Yankees might even be out of this discussion. Um, the Cubs should be in this discussion, right? Well, then Jed Hoyer came out the other day and said, uh, we're going to spend money. We need, we got a lot of holes. We're going to spend money, but we're going to spend it intelligently. When someone says intelligently to me, that always says we're not giving all this to one guy. Right. Uh, so I'm not sure that the Cubs are in this discussion for this kind of thing. Um, listen, there's not very many, who, who's going to give a, a, a guy a 10 year contract anymore, you know? Everybody looks at the Albert Pujols contract and says, my God, look what happened in that deal. The last six years of that, he wasn't any good. Uh, so who's going to really want to take that chance? I think the Rangers clearly are willing to take that chance. And they did it before. They did it with Alex Rodriguez. And the problem with that signing was not that they signed Alex Rodriguez to this world record contract. is that they didn't follow it up. There was nothing. And John Daniels uh, conceded that the other day, that they we should have, or the organization should have followed up uh, with other signings and other additions to the team and didn't do that. And that was the great failing of the Alex Rodriguez signing. So uh, you, we can argue about whether this is a good idea to do this. Is it a good idea to give a guy a 10-year, $300 million contract? Uh, but I don't think that uh, we can argue with the fact that the Rangers are are going to do this, and I think they're going to succeed. I, they're gonna. They're going to end up with somebody, um, whether it's their first choice or not. I don't know. But the th- the good thing is here. There's four guys. Any of them would make a good first choice. Um, but quite frankly, I, I think either you go out and you strike on, let's say, Carlos Correa, who's the youngest of that group and probably the best overall player, or you go out first. I think it's going to be important who the Rangers sign first. I think that could dictate their entire offseason. And for me, there's two guys that would do that. One is if you go out and get Correa um, as the biggest free agent on the market. The other would be if you go out and get Clayton Kershaw to come home and pitch for the Rangers and say, we're going to pay him top of the market for, for a player in his class and he is going to set the tone for us, and we're going to build around him. Um, right. Not build around him, but he's going to he's going to be the foundation for what the players are that we want here. And that's the thing, isn't it, where, where you're the Rangers and where they are? You can't sit back and judiciously say what you're going to do in free agency. With where they are, they have to go out and set the tone or be ahead of the curve. They can't say, okay, you, good teams can allow it to play out and pick up really good players that make sense. The Rangers are not in that position. No, well, that's the same thing they did with A-Rod. So I I do think we need to say real quick before we get out of this uh, segment is that here's the thing. Spotrack says that the Rangers uh, are committed to $28 million next year. $28 million. Uh, John Daniels made it very clear in the exit interviews that we are prepared to pay, uh, to have a budget commensurate with our market. And it's one of the major markets in, in baseball. So that means uh, a, a minimum of $130 million. That's $100 million that they could spend 
conceivably this winter. So whether they do that or not, I, I don't know. And whether they, whether it's a good idea to do it, uh, depending on who's available, I don't know. But the thing yeah, is, I think the, the one out that JD kind of left himself there is, you know, when I asked him that question, um, he said, "Yes, we should be commiserate with um, uh, the market size that we are." And I, there's always some vagary about that right now because is it TV market size? Is it revenue yeah. size? Whatever. And the second part is he didn't say it was necessarily a one year jump. So they can make a significant jump this year and another jump next year. But I think ultimately the deal is that in this process, this club needs to get into the $175 million range, which will put them in the top half dozen teams in the, in the big leagues, uh, let's say by the end of the 2022 season. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think going into 2023, right. I can see that. I, I would I would give the offseason of 2022 for them to get to one. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I mean – after 2022. So going into 2023. Right. Yeah. I think it's certainly possible, which is crazy. You know, that doesn't mean they're going to get it right. It doesn't mean they're going to win, but I, I don't doubt that they are, are committed to doing this. They, you can't come out and say the things they've just said. And then all of a sudden go, Oh, we take it all back. You know, correct. We'll just barbecue yeah. them if they do that. Uh, and rightfully so. All right. Let's talk about the colleges. Uh, a, a huge win for the Aggies over Alabama. I, I did not have that win. Uh, of course, I don't have very many wins. Did anyone? My, did anyone uh, have that win? No, no, no one had that win. No, not after what the, the Aggies had done the, the previous couple of weeks and, and struggled. And, and, and Zach Calzada uh, is a quarterback that they've always liked. Got a big time arm. Uh, really can really uh, throw it. He just... Uh, has struggled as a young quarterback uh, to put things together. He's not really a dual threat. He's so he he really they really rely on his ability to stand in the pocket. Uh, you know that's the kind of thing that typically Jimbo Fisher likes. He's always had a pro style quarterback. Even though Kellen Mond could get out and run a little bit, uh, he he likes what Zach Calzada brings to the table. But he just hadn't really done a lot in that game and and or this season uh, since he was pressed into the starting lineup. Uh, and then he goes out, and uh, and in a few times uh, he didn't look so great against Alabama. Then he 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 goes to the well at the end of the game and pulls that out with a couple of great throws, a couple of great plays, uh, and and they beat him. Uh, it was just a uh, frankly, you know, Jimbo and and Mike Elko, the defensive coordinator, just out coached uh, you know, Alabama. They just everywhere they turned, they did something better or encountered what Alabama was trying to do. Uh, there were some, you know, you know, Alabama turned the ball over it at the, you know, inside the, the five at one point. And those are things that, you know, that live to haunt you, but that was a, that was a huge win for the Aggies. Obviously, uh, I, I compared it, uh, to 2012. I was at that game in Tuscaloosa when Johnny Manziel led that upset of Alabama. Uh, this one was far more unlikely than that. Uh, far more like, even though the, th- those Aggies back then were were ranked 15th in the country, and they had Johnny Manziel. I, I, you know, even that early stages of that unbelievable season, you watched him play and, and, and thought, this guy could do anything. There, there's no telling what he might. And that's exactly what he did against Alabama that day. There was no indication uh, last week that the Aggies were in a place where they could pull off that kind of upset. Uh, they had just not looked anything like that, and they, and they did it. All, all that said, and I, I this was a tremendous win for for A and M, and I thought for sure after Alabama had stormed back and taken a lead with with what like four minutes left to play that Alabama would would escape 
um, with the win, and, and so a lot of credit there. But all that said, another big win that's not going to matter for them in terms of the ultimate goal, right? Which is get to the SEC championship game, play in the playoff. This is still a team with two losses in the in, inside the SEC. There's they're in fifth place, tied with Arkansas, who beat them in the SEC West. So, I, I that is the difficulty that A and M will face year in and year out, and and obviously that Texas is going to face when when it comes into the conference. But a big win. I just don't know that in the ultimate scheme of thing, what's going to matter more for for A and M that they beat Alabama or that they didn't go to the SEC championship game another year? You know, I'm not going to rule out, the, rule out the possibility that they could still be in contention for the SEC West. I think it's just uh, pretty wide open at this point. But I will say this also. I, I get the impression, you know, that uh, with a lot of A&M fans is that, you know, we we weren't winning a lot in the Big 12. Uh, and so I don't know that we're going to come over here. We weren't going to expect to come over to the, to the SEC and, and, and wipe that up all of a sudden. Uh, I, I think they're kind of living in the moment, loving games like that. The fact that they they beat Alabama, uh, that, uh, that the Jimbo becomes the first former uh, assistant of Nick Saban to beat him. Uh, I don't know that they take any, any particular pleasure in that. Really, Jimbo he's the first. He did. Yeah, he's they were zero and twenty, zero and twenty three, or zero and twenty four. What it was? Wow, That's exactly right. And, and and Jimbo had lost four of those games, so he'd lost more than anybody else. Uh, and uh, I, I, you you bet Jimbo took a lot of pleasure in that. Uh, so I, I think that uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. You know uh, that this is to me this is something for them to build on. I mean, going into this season, they were trying to replace Kellen Mond, who was a pretty good quarterback for them. Uh, they had that they had two young guys, uh, neither one of whom is uh, was a dynamic type of player. And I don't know that you would expect that one of those guys was going to come in and you were going to be able to knock off the teams at the top of the sec West. I, I, you know, in Alabama, I just don't think that there there were those kind of expectations, but the fact that you, you did beat them this year and you, and you, and maybe that Calzada took a big step forward with that win. I, I don't know if he will or not, but that's a pretty good thing to have on your resume. I, I yeah I I think that I, again it's it's a big win and it turned it turned their season around I, I just don't know if it's ultimately gonna gonna matter Alabama's I, I think Alabama's toughest remaining game is is against Arkansas um, and that's in in Tuscaloosa at the end of November right before the Auburn game but we'll we'll, we'll see. What it could do more than anything else, though, is, is screw it up for somebody trying to squeeze into the college football playoff. Because when Alabama was an automatic, you know, with an undefeated uh, Alabama, well, then that's okay, good. When Alabama's got one loss, the committee's going to try to figure out some way to get Alabama in there, even if they don't win. Because if they lose to Georgia in the in the SEC title game, you know, can they can they take Alabama with two losses? You know? I think I, I think that it's going to be hard to take an Alabama team with two losses, but I think you also set up the possibility that maybe they go maybe and this is looking way down the road, but you potentially have them go into an SEC championship game against Georgia, an undefeated Georgia team, beat them, and then you've got two SEC teams of the four because Georgia will make the the, the, the playoff at that point. Yeah, I think and, they would too. Where where is Oklahoma in this equation now after that uh wild, wild game in the cotton bowl over the weekend? Yeah, that was a wild game. I, I, Kevin, I do was, think was that the best Texas OU game you've ever seen? Uh, uh it's yeah, most it's entertaining. Right 
Well, it's certainly entertaining. Yeah, I think the thing about that game was that the first touchdown was scored 14 seconds in. The last <laughs> touchdown was scored with three seconds left. I mean, and, and in between, it was just nonstop. You know, and, and I don't want to complain too much. You know me, I never like to complain. You don't, you don't complain. In that press box, in that press box, there's no longer a, a, a PA guy telling you what the down and distance is and, and what happened on that play. And I asked uh, one of the Texas officials about it, and he said, oh, that's just background noise. We decided we don't like that anymore. It's like, oh, no, we don't want any help with any of this stuff. When the game's going a mile a minute, when they're snapping the ball, you know, three seconds after the last play, I mean, yes, I would like somebody telling me what's going on so I don't have to be looking all over the place to try to figure it out. Oh, my gosh, Grandpa. Did did somebody put some salt in your corny dog? (laughs) They did. Uh, they did. Uh, but uh, but I was yes, it was a great game. I think Oklahoma. Uh, did you put ketchup? Did you put ketchup or mustard on your corny dog? You can't. I, I I've written that you can't put ketchup on a corny dog. Thank no, you God. Can't. Disgusting. Thank God for something in life. That's one of the things I don't understand about life. People putting ketchup on a corny dog. Or um, hot dogs. Yeah. Well, then my daughter does that. I mean, it's okay on a hot dog. Right? Go ahead, but I, uh, you know, I'm no, not it's gonna... not okay on a hot dog. Well, I, mean, I, I don't know which of your two daughters does that, but she's a nice girl. But you I'm need sorry. to be broad-minded about this. But let me go back to let me go back to Oklahoma. The thing that's that's going to save Oklahoma's season is Caleb Williams, a kid that came off the bench uh, and did a fantastic job. I don't, you know, I, of course, I asked uh, you know Lincoln Ryan the question afterwards: Who's going to be your starting quarterback against TCU? He said, "I'm sorry that that took." 10, I can't believe that took 10 questions, 10 questions or whatever was it? <laughs> yeah. Before somebody asked that, said, yeah, like, well, sorry, I, I, I couldn't get off mute until then. That was the problem. Uh, so, so I do think Oklahoma has a chance. They can go, they can certainly run the table here. If they're undefeated, it's going to be hard keeping Oklahoma out. It's just, there's a lot of, a lot of push for Cincinnati uh, at this point. Uh, I think the PAC 12 is, is blown up again. Uh, and there's going to be a, obviously a push for a Big Ten school. So well, but I mean the Big Ten situation could be you know if you've got an unbeaten Oklahoma team and you've got a, a a Big Ten team, if you've got Iowa losing in the in the Big Ten championship game, you're going to have a hard time getting a Big Ten team in at that point. So yeah, I'm, we'll I'm see. I um uh, I I what I've thought all along on Oklahoma was they've they've played a lot of close games. They haven't looked terribly impressive, but. This might be the one thing that that absolutely turns them on. That's a season-turning victory right there, too. Could be. Well, that wraps up another episode of Sports Day Insider. Is it over already? Well, Evan, all good things come to an end, I suppose. The show is produced by Jeff Whittington. And presented by the Dallas Morning News. Our theme song is by Dallas's own John Dufalo. Don't forget to follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your quality podcasts. You'll never miss a Sports Day Insider episode, and you'll discover some other great shows. And if you liked what you heard, please rate the Dallas Morning News feed and give us a review. It helps us reach other sports fans and news junkies. Learn more about this show and other shows at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find special Dallas Morning News subscription rates just for listeners. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you back here next week.